Section twenty of Little Journeys to the Homes of the Great, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Little Journeys to the Homes of the Great, Volume One, by Albert Hubbard. William Wordsworth, Part One even such a shell the universe itself is to the ear of faith and there are times i doubt not when to you it doth impart authentic tidings of invisible things of ebb and flow and ever-during power and central peace subsisting at the heart of endless agitation here you stand adore and worship when you know it not pious beyond the intention of your thought devout above the meaning of your will wordsworth someone has told us that heaven is not a place but a condition of mind and it is possible that he is right but if heaven is a place surely it is not unlike grasmere such loveliness of landscape such sylvan stretches of crystal water peace and quiet and rest Great green hills lift their heads to the skies, and all the old stone walls and hedgerows are covered with trailing vines and blooming flowers. The air is rich with song of birds, sweet with perfume, and the blossoms gaily shower their petals on the passer-by. Overhead, white, billowy clouds float lazily over their background of ethereal blue. Cool June breezes fan the cheek. Distant knolls are dotted with flocks of sheep, whose bells tinkle dreamily, and drowsy hum of beetle makes the bass, while lark song forms the air of the sweet infamy that nature plays. Such was Grasmere as I first saw it. To love the plain, homely, common, simple things of earth, of these to sing, to make the familiar beautiful and the commonplace enchanting, to cause each bush to burn with the actual presence of the living god this is the poet's office and if the poet lives near grasmere his task does not seem difficult from seventeen hundred ninety nine to eighteen hundred eight wordsworth lived at dove cottage thanks to a few earnest souls the place is now secured to the people of england and the lovers of poetry wherever they may be a good old woman has charge of the cottage and for a slight fee shows you the house and garden and little orchard and objects of interest all the while talking and you are glad for although unlettered she is reverent and honest she was born here and all she knows is wordsworth and the people and the things he loved is it not enough here wordsworth lived before anything he wrote was published in book form here his best work was done and here dorothy splendid sympathetic dorothy was inspiration critic friend but who inspired dorothy coleridge perhaps more than all others and we know somewhat of their relationship as told in dorothy's diary there is a little wordsworth library in dove cottage and i sat at the window of de quincey's room and read for an hour says dorothy sat until four o'clock reading dear coleridge's letters we paced the garden until moonrise at one o'clock we three brother coleridge and i 
I read Spencer to him aloud and then we had a midnight tea Here in this little terraced garden behind the stone cottage with its low ceilings and wide window seats and little diamond panes She in her misery wrote oh the pity of it all yet there is recompense Every sight reminds me of Coleridge, dear, dear fellow, of our walks and talks by day and night, of all the bright and witty and sad sweet things of which we spoke and read. I was melancholy and could not talk, and at last I eased my heart by weeping. Alas, too often there is competition between brother and sister, then follow misunderstandings. But here the brotherly and sisterly love stands out clear and strong after these hundred years have passed and we contemplate it with delight Was ever woman more honestly and better praised than Dorothy? The blessings of my later years were with me when I was a boy She gave me eyes she gave me ears and humble cares and gentle fears a heart the fountain of sweet tears and love and thought and joy and she hath smiles to earth unknown smiles that with motion of their own do spread and sink and rise That come and go with endless play and ever as they pass away are hidden in her eyes And so in a dozen or more poems we see Dorothy reflected She was the steel on which he tried his flint everything he wrote was read to her then she read it alone Balancing the sentence in the delicate scales of her womanly judgment Heart of my heart is this well done when she said this will do it was no matter who said otherwise Back of the house on the rising hillside is the little garden Hewn out of the solid rock is Dorothy's seat There I rested while mrs. Dixon discoursed of poet law and told me how many times Coleridge and Dorothy had sat in the same seat and watched the stars Then I drank from the well which is more properly a spring the stones that curb it were placed in their present position by the hand that wrote the prelude Above the garden is the orchard where the green linnet still sings for the birds never grow old There too are the circling swallows and in a snug little alcove of the cottage you can read the butterfly from a first edition and then you can go sit in the orchard white with blossoms and see the butterflies that suggested the poem and If your eye is good you can discover down by the lakeside the daffodils and listen the while to the cuckoo call Then in the orchard you can see not only the daisy But many of them and if you wish mrs. Dixon will let you dig a bunch of the daisies to take back to America and if you do I hope that yours will prosper as have mine and that Wordsworth's flowers like Wordsworth's verse will gladden your heart when the blue sky of your life threatens to be o'ercast with gray Here Southey came and Thalaba was read aloud in this little garden Here too came Clarkson the man with a fine feminine carelessness as Dorothy said Charles Lloyd sat here and discoursed with William Calvert Sir George Beaumont forgot his title and rapped often at the quaint hinged door an Artist was Beaumont, but his best picture they say is not equal to the lines that Wordsworth wrote about it Sir George was not only a gentleman according to law, but one in heart 
for he was a friend kind gentle and generous with such a friend wordsworth was rich indeed but perhaps the friends we have are only our other selves and we get what we deserve we must not forget the kindly face of humphrey davy whose gracious playfulness was ever a charm to the wordsworths the safety lamp was then only an unspoken word and perhaps few foresaw the sweetness and light that these two men would yet give to earth walter scott and his wife came to dove cottage in eighteen hundred five he did not bring his title for it like humphrey davies was as yet unpacked down in london town they slept in the little cubby-hole of a room in the upper southwest corner one can imagine dorothy taking sir walter's shaving water up to him in the morning and the savoury smell of breakfast as mistress mary poured the tea while england's future laureate served the toast and eggs mr scott eating everything in sight and talking a torrent the while about art and philosophy as he passed his cup back to the consternation of the hostess whose frugal ways were not used to such ravages of appetite of course she did not know that a combined novelist and rhymester ate twice as much as a simple poet afterwards mrs scott tucked up her dress putting on one of dorothy's aprons and helped to the dishes then coleridge came over and they all climbed to the summit of helm crag shy little de quincey had read some of wordsworth's poems and knew from their flavor that the man who penned them was a noble soul he came to grasmere to call on him he walked past dove cottage twice but his heart failed him and he went away unannounced later he returned and found the occupants as simple folks as himself happiness was there and good society few books but fine culture plain living and high thinking wordsworth lived at rydal mount for thirty-three years yet the sweetest flowers of his life blossomed at dove cottage for difficulty toil struggle obscurity poverty mixed with aspiration and ambition all these were here success came later but this is naught for the achievement is more than the public acknowledgment of the deed after wordsworth moved away de quincey rented dove cottage and lived in it for twenty-seven years he acquired a library of more than five thousand volumes making bookshelves on four sides of the little rooms from floor to ceiling some of these shelves still remain here he turned night into day and dreamed the dreams of the opium eater and all these are some of the things that mrs dixon told me on that bright summer day what if i had heard them before no difference dear old lady i salute you and at your feet i lay my gratitude for a day of rare and quiet joy farewell thou little nook of mountain ground thou rocky corner in the lowest stair of that magnificent temple which does bound one side of our whole vale with gardens rare sweet garden orchard eminently fair the loveliest spot that man has ever found farewell we leave thee to heaven's peaceful care thee and the cottage which thou dost surround end of william wordsworth part one